So I want to take a minute and talk from the worship song, Lean Back, which is found on YouTube, and which is the basis of where I want to start today. But let's start with your initial reactions to the song. I got caught in, in the very first lyrics about rest and really what the definition of rest is because my, my experience rest is laying down, taking a nap, and, and yet we use that term and we think about being resting in Christ, but you know, I never really sat until I listened to this and thought, what does that actually mean? And I think I just am kind of speaking on, on a topic that I'm going to have to ponder a little bit more <laughs> over time to get a deeper understanding of what rest really is. Because it's just, it's, it's like a loaded word. And, and it doesn't mean just absence of effort, it's resting in Christ. But that, that turns into a, a, a charismatic buzzword. Unless we really can sit down and say, what does that really mean to rest in? And the first thing it brings me to Robin Smith is we rest in it is finished. Mm -hmm. And that's as far as I've gotten into that. And this is like, there's, there's like a series on that word, I, I almost think. So, so let me ask this. Did this song create a sense of emotion within you? Most definitely. Anybody else? Yes, Marilyn? Greg? Peace. Yes. Peace? Carol? Um, well, I, I, I got kind of hung up on the, um, in a good way, breathing in is loving kindness. Okay. Allow that loving kindness to be there and magnify. Okay. When you say hung up, that wasn't negative. It was no, a positive. In a good way. So, like, so you were pondering I got, that. I got parked on that okay person. okay muriel how about you did that stimulate any kind of sense of emotion in you calmness um just just a calmness peaceful just just a kind of a level just a level feeling you know not a uh, uh, but just nice okay. and like calm water good did it increase your sense of awareness of god absolutely yeah how about the rest of you? Did it increase the sense of an awareness of God? Yes. That's how the Aramaic scriptures and language functioned. It created an emotional reaction, but at the same time, a sense of awe, a sense when you pondered God, it drew you there. It didn't leave you to fill in the blanks. It let, it let the Spirit of God bubble up and fill in whatever he wanted to fill in at that moment. Think about that. How many times have you read scripture and you've had a, or heard a song and you've had a visceral gut reaction of, ugh? Greg? There's a, there was a line in there. I'm in a place that you brought me to. I believe it was. And that just, that just struck me because it's not something I have to do. It's something that's in his heart for me to be there. Yeah. And it's effortless. And rest is effortless. Yes. You know. And see, when, when Stuart goes, 
I have to ponder rest. That's a piece of it right there. Definitely. I was picking up on that. Yeah. And one of the other things that was really interesting is the line that you quoted and the line that you quoted, Carol, I didn't even hear those because I was caught up in rest. You could hear that song every week and get something different for a while. Yeah. And we might do that. I don't know. I'm just stubborn enough to do something like that. (laughs) So... I want to launch into this discussion in part with that song because I think in our Western theological perspective of God, we are taught to downplay the emotional impact, the the emotional influence that God has through song or otherwise. Agree? Yeah. You, You stifle that sense of awe, that sense of even curiosity in a sense because, you know, Curiosity not only kills the cat, but it kills the Christian. So, And so we're in a season, I think, when God is, is saying, I've not changed, but how man has looked at me from generation to generation to generation has changed. And God says, why don't you come back and look me at, at me like the way I really am? And so that's what we're going to start doing with this. So the, I want to use the Lord's Prayer but as part of it, but before I do that, I'm actually going to talk a lot out of a book called Setting a Trap for God. It's the Aramaic Prayer of Jesus. And he, it's written by Arako, R-O-C-C-O, A period, Erico, E-R-R-I-C-O. And he talks about prayer is about setting a trap for, for God. What's a trap? Place where you're caught. Place where you're caught. That's one way to look at it. Place where you're held place where you're held. Well, if I were to say to you, Greg, you have a mind like a steel trap, what does that suggest to you? Stubborn. Stubborn? Interesting. Closed. Closed. Yeah, I'm seeing it differently. What do you see? Um, in a positive sense, I see it as immovable from the truth. Immovable from the truth. Any thoughts, Muriel? Well, just words like caught or can't move, uh, stuck, that kind of thing. Well, let's take a look at it. In the Aramaic, the word for prayer is slotha, and it's s. L-O-T-H-A. And it literally means to trap, to set a trap. So if I'm wanting to enter into a prayer, what does that suggest if it means to set a trap? It almost has a a context of snaring the un- unknowing okay you know you, you fall into a trap because you don't know it's there yeah it's actually the air what about capture yes yes now you're now you two are on there you're you're setting a mindset to capture what god nature. oh my god It's actually setting a trap to capture the thoughts of God, the mind of God. 
the heart of God. And you're setting the snare by clearing everything out and letting him come. And then when it comes, you grab it. Right? You don't let it go. It says that it's to trap the inner guidance and impulses that come from your inner spiritual source. So if I try to set a trap for an animal with a bait that doesn't this doesn't appeal to that animal, what's gonna happen? Nothing. They'll ignore it. They'll ignore it. But if I set a wanna set a trap in a way that demonstrates to God, I want to know you. I want to know your voice. I want to collect your inner impressions that you've put in my heart. I want to collect the visions you've put in my heart. I want to collect the desires that you put in my heart and hold on to them. What does that say to God? You want the completeness. Oh. So What's the bait? I'm saying, say that again, Miro. What's the bait? What's the bait? Your heart, isn't it? The desire to know more. Does God respond to our desire to know more? I think so. As mine, as me. Yeah. Yeah. Seek and you will find. So here's another definition. The slide is similar. A state of mind in which we still our personal thoughts and make no attempt to project outwardly. What does that sound like? Sure. To set a trap or a prayer is also a state of mind in which we still all of our personal thoughts and make no attempt to project outwardly. That's rest. That's rest. It's meditation. Okay. Sure. That's what I was going to say. A state of mind in which we still our personal thoughts and make no attempt to project outwardly. In other words, we're not saying, I'm going to project, God, you're like this. No, I still myself and say, God, show me what you're really like. You know, and how many of us used to struggle like crazy trying to still our thoughts? And we, our thoughts would tend to go outward, right? Oh, I got to do this. I got to do that. My checklist is over here. Oh, okay. I'll put that aside. I'll come back. I'll be. I'll, I'll pause and still myself. Five seconds later, I'm back over here in my checklist. When you pray, take a pencil and a pad of paper and write all your thoughts down. Yep. So. Wait, wait, wait. Let me have that again. Rest is a state. Of mind in which we still or calm our our personal thoughts and make no attempt to project outwardly. Okay, that's what I needed. And here's another component to that it's an alert state of sensitivity and attentiveness to what God is putting in us. In other words, it's an alert state to hearing the voice of God in us. It's not. Terry comes to God with, say, Joe, smash Jane, give me a million bucks. See, that's projecting outward. My thoughts, my impressions, I'm projecting those outward. You didn't catch it when I said smash Jane, did you? 
you know, I've got my hit list of those I want to see saved. I've got my hit list of those I want God to destroy. My hit list. <laughs> yeah. And then I got me all the things that I want. And I'm going, God, give me this. Give me that. Boy, I sure could use this. I sure could use that. Boy, bro- brother, <laughs> brother Greg needs an attitude adjustment because he's just, you know, he came, he came at me with a cane the other day. Uh, yeah, he threw another grenade. <laughs> so, see, that's me projecting outward from what right. I want what I want people to do in terms of how I want them to behave or be. But prayer is just really just, I got no agenda, Papa. What do you have to say today? Because does he not already know the desires of my heart? Does he not already know my needs? Does he not already know my thoughts? So really, it's about just... But that goes against everything we've always been taught. I know. I'm a prayer warrior. I got my five-page list. And that was on the top of it. You know, it's, it's just the way we've been taught. Bring that list. Yeah. And really, it's really just focusing on him. It's tuning the channel to him. Yeah, I was going to say, it's tuning in to him. Yes. Heart, yes. Yeah. And... You know, and I'm going to flip this board back over because this actually parallels. I'll come back and forth here a minute. But all of these negative emotions that we talked about as levels of falsehood last week, every one of them interferes with the channel that we want to set for God, for our intimacy with God. Because if our intimacy is pure and undistracted, it just flows, doesn't it? We pick up quickly the impressions. We pick up quickly pictures or whatever. But if I'm operating yeah. in these levels of falsehood, a lot of that is, you said it last week, that's projecting outward. We project outward in those levels of falsehood. And if we're projecting outward, we haven't calmed ourselves down. It makes it harder to hear. These become barriers or roadblocks, so to speak, to the pureness of hearing God's voice for us. Carol. So we can only project outward what is inside. Yes. So if we're we're finding these uh, emotions on either either side of the line, that's what's in our heart. Yeah. The scripture says, you know, as a man believes in his heart, so is he. So as I look at that, if I see something there that, that I don't really want to project that I don't really, um, you know, it's not helping me. Then I realize, okay, there's that's within me, and I can, I can surrender it to Father, to His love, mm-hmm. and let Him transform it. Yep. So really, what we're doing is we're making an intentional choice to select a channel, God's channel. God TV. <laughs> I was just going to say it's not God TV, but it's God's channel. So I guess in one sense it is God TV because he's the one putting the impressions and the pictures and the videos and things. So it's about this, but it's not just a mental preparation. Remember when I asked you, did that, did that song emote in, or did it connect with anything emotionally in you? Prayer, prayer is being prepared to receive an emotional response from God. Prayer is, is, is 
being prepared to hear a directional voice. I mean, it's, it's, we can't limit the expectation of how he's going to speak to us. But we need to be prepared because in the, the, the Aramaic culture, prayer is an intimacy at multiple levels. Sometimes it's literal. God talks to us literally. Terry, you, you, need, to, you, you need to button up the uh, coat so you don't freeze. I mean, it could be as literal as that. Or it could be, you know, let's just dance together. Let's just share that moment of just flowing together in rhythm. In a lot of the, the Aramaic culture, prayer was sung. It was song. Why song? I just happened to make notes on that. Because when you're in song, you're leaving reason behind. And you're leaving those thoughts behind and you're just in a place of expression. And it's almost like you go from your mind to a more spiritual, a higher place. Okay. Okay. Carol. Well, biologically, when you sing or hum, you are activating the the, the nervous system that calms you down and allows you to rest. Um, that vagus nerve, you're putting your vagus nerve into uh, what they call tonal, and it just calms your body. So there's a, there's a physiological response yeah, in song. And that's part of connecting with God. Greg and I, there, there are many times in the past, we, yeah, yeah, we would sit down and we would be playing uh, worships from the Riveras, and they, every single one of their songs, they would hit this one note and hold it. And it always seemed to like jump. It just, it just it was like if you were cold butter and you just melted. Yes. <laughs> Something about the vibrational tone, the energy tone of song. Well, if we're coming back, if we come back to energy levels, something about song just sort of triggers at the level of love, joy, peace, and, and enlightenment or bliss or whatever you want to call it. Because when you're in that place, it's like nothing really phases me. I'm feeling good. Do, 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 do. Right? And, and each of us has a frequency, I think, that God uses to touch us. And then each of us have frequencies that probably scare the bejesus out of us. Carol was introducing me one time not too long ago to, to frequencies just before going to bed. And I swear I was listening to this one and it just created terror in me. No, it didn't create it. It brought it out. It brought it out. Okay. Which was really something I hadn't experienced in a long time. So this whole concept of prayer, you know, this is, this is reading from, from the book a minute. In prayer, then, we are adjusting and preparing our minds and hearts to receive God's program. God is always broadcasting and televising. The heavenly and universal transmitter operates around the clock and never goes off the air. Spirit is constantly beaming, sending, and signaling to everyone and everything in creation. Infinite, loving intelligence is everywhere and through everything. Doesn't Scripture say 
we live and move and have our being in him. Yeah. It, he's everywhere and in us simultaneously. So setting a trap for God is the ancient meaning of prayer, and it suggests that we can trap all the love, joy, truth, peace, energy, and compassion we need when we are receptive to all which is rightly ours. Ooh. See, he's talking about up here at this peace, joy, love, reason. At this level, all up in here, these higher emotions, we tap into everything he has for us and everything we need because we've cleared the deck of a lot of this stuff, this negative stuff, this lower stuff. Greg's got that song. That whole album is just that chord. Yeah. You may get, bring it up here so Muriel can hear it. Turn it up. We heard this song, so many, this chord so many times, and then they recorded just this chord. And it's like 45 minutes. And some people don't like it, but... that like on Facebook on our on, on the, on he's not on Facebook oh. I'm not it's Kimberly and Alberto Rivera does it say what chord the album is called the chord it's called the chord okay prayer then really starts as an attitude of the heart doesn't it do you believe that you're in communication with God or not do you believe he wants to communicate with you more than you think he can? It's an attitude of the heart. If the attitude is, I sure hope he talks to me, I don't have an expectation that he's going to then, right? That's a problem. But I can tell you, when I was living in those days of lower emotions, I didn't know if he was going to talk to me or not. I didn't know if he was going to zap me dead with a lightning bolt or not. Well, we had to position ourselves in order for him to talk to us. And that positioning just kind of depended on... Yeah, back in those days, I had to do something to position myself. But if we start from the perspective, the broadcast, the broadcast signal of God is always operating 24-7. And I can't get away from it, because if I can't, if there's no place I can go to get away from God, there's no place I can go to outrun the broadcast symbol or signal. Which is a whole lot different than me going, I gotta get on my knees, I gotta go to the altar, I gotta repent. Get in your secret place. I gotta get in my secret place. Close the door. Close the door. Tell the kids to shut up. Tell the kids to shut up. <laughs> Half hour praying in tongues. Half hour praying in tongues. <laughs> You better a fast before you got in there and you <laughs> None of those things increases or decreases the frequency or the, or the strength of the signal. And maybe for some people it actually clears the deck. It never did for me. I tried to do... I think that's a good point. For some people it does clear the deck so they can hear. Yes. And for them, that's fine. But I suspect there's a day coming when they won't even need to do that because... As, as it is right now, I expect God talks to me all day long. I haven't quite mastered God talking to me in my sleep yet because I don't remember my dreams. But um, I told you I listened to a bunch of Graham Cook stuff, and he, he was talking about this yesterday in one of the things I listened to. 
And he said when, when he, he listens to God, he says it, it's sort of like, you know, he's learned an old radio tuner where you, you, you turn it just a little bit to hit the right frequency. Well, he's learned just to hit that right frequency and stay there all the time. Yeah. Mm. And so he can listen to him all day. He doesn't, it doesn't go in and out. You know, he says, okay, I got something for you to do today. Okay, I'll, I'll watch for it. You know? Yeah. And just, and just walk in it and learn that that frequency is always there. And he's, he says, I've just tuned my ear to when I get up in the morning. I hear him. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I don't want to make this sound like we've never really understood prayer. But I think it, we've made it more complicated than it needs to be because we've interjected ourselves into the process instead of just relaxing setting our mind on capturing what he says, we it's almost like we've tried to force him to talk to us. And again, that may work for some people because in his grace, he might just say, if that's the best you got today, I'm still, here's, I'll meet you right there. But how much more will we pick up if we just rest back into, like that song, lean back into the heart of God? I mean, that song, the first time I heard it, I think I told you this, it conjured up the image of John laying his head back on Jesus' chest for me. That's a powerful, that was a powerful image for me. And what, if John's head is on his chest, what's John hearing? His heart. His heart. And so this is like this whole concept of Aramaic prayer the, from an Aramaic perspective is just like that. It's just leaning back and listening for the heart. And then when you hear, the, hear something, you grab it and hold it so it can't get away. How many times have you, have you or it me... It grabs I, you and holds you. It gra- oh, you there you go. It grabs you and holds you so you can't get away. You know, and you... you, you look at that statement that you just said and now put yourself in the garden of eden tree of life tree of good and evil and and it's like that is makes such a strong connection when you think about that about just plugging into god's heart that is definitely the tree of life yeah and when you fill yourself with that you have no appetite for the tree of knowledge of good and evil yeah and Steve McVeigh says, what's Steve McVeigh, McVeigh say about the universe, Carol? It's a friendly place. It's a friendly place. Quoting Einstein. Steve McVeigh, quoting Einstein, says, the universe is a friendly place. So if the universe is a friendly place, and if the universe, we would call the universe what? God. God. If God is, God is friendly towards us, do we really need to be concerned about is that God's voice, is that not God's voice? I mean, here's a quick, here's a quick way to check. If you're, hearing, if you're hearing something, including from a teacher, that drops you into, you know, that focuses on pride, anger, desire, fear, grief, apathy, guilt, or shame, one of these negative emotions, if you're hearing that, that's not God. And you need to run from a teacher that's teaching that. Because... The, because this is holding you down from the levels of truth that take you to the place of love, joy, and peace. I've gotten some bewildered looks on that one. 
If, if I were to stand up here and preach, you need to be afraid of God. He is going to hit you with the lightning bolt. I mean, if you, if you even crack a half a smile in the wrong moment, you're dead. And if I convince you that that's God, what have I done to you? I've locked you in a box it's almost impossible to get out of. Carol? But you can also look at the, where the line is. Everything below the line is sin consciousness. Sin consciousness, yeah. That would be us separated from God. Everything above that is righteousness consciousness. Yes. So that can also be something that that is like a red flag that, okay, I, must, I might be... Sin conscious today, and I do I want to stay there. I can stay there, but do I want to stay there, or do I want to become righteous conscious? So then I go back into looking at the other emotions, and like that uh, song where I I just lean back and and breathe in His loving kindness, breathe in courage, breathe in acceptance, and and everything else that's on. You know, let let my righteous consciousness rise to the surface. Let that love cast out the fear that that is is hanging out there. Yeah, good. You know that that and just for the for the those listening by recording, the song is "Lean Back." It's a YouTube tube song, but when you were posturing within that song, your heart did you sense the presence of God? Because that's part of what prayer is. Prayer is just being in the presence of God and being aware of it. Because this is, this is what Rico Erico says, the awareness of God's presence is what brings health and power in our hearts, in our lives, in our families, in our relationships, in our financial needs. Universal powers are forces, and forces are never against us. Spiritual forces that reside within us and flow through us are always present. They are guiding, aiding, and supplying. If we are trapping and working with the universal program and not just our own agendas, we will experience those things. So, so if, I, if I set an agenda, God, this is what we're going to do today. <laughs> Odds are, Holy Spirit's going to just step back and go have fun. Let me know when you're done. Right? But if I get up and say, God, I just I am just so enamored with your presence today. What do you want to do? What are we going to do for fun today? And I just relax. And as I begin to sense his presence just beginning to rise up, I'm increasing my immune system function, right? Cuz that's where my health comes from. I'm I'm increasing my sense of joy, my sense of peace, my sense of awe and wonder and I'm even, in one sense, going, it really doesn't matter what I want today, God. It's what you want. Now I'm moving into those higher emotions. So prayer is, is just becomes almost a lifestyle when we just let it rise up in us, and like Greg says, let it capture us, as opposed to us trying to capture what God wants to say, let him capture us. And it's, you know, in part of the grace movement, we, early on it was just reject anything that sounded like work. So if we try, if I said to you four years ago, or most of you who were going through that, 
oh, you got to posture yourself to hear God, you'd go, no, that's work. <laughs> but what about, how about posturing yourself so you can have the best possible outcome with God on, on a moment-by-moment level? Like Graham says, tune that frequency all day long. That makes sense? What do you think, Muriel? I like that. I think that's really a key thing for for me because I always wondered what prayer was. What was the what was the purpose of prayer? And I I find in myself my experience is that when you're in the flow with 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 the heart connection with God, and you're in that state of frequency that um, when you even when you speak to people, you engage with them, and you're saying things that you wouldn't have maybe not have said and maybe not that way. And you feel a sense of, of light and, and love that just sort of wraps around the two that are in, that you're in conversation with. And it's, it's, it's an amazing feeling and, and you know, and you know, it's God. And, you know, if you can hang on to that all day, yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. if everybody could do that, that exactly. would be so cool. And if we could just get the politicians in Ottawa to come into agreement with that, right? <laughs> yeah. I just had to throw that in. <laughs> I like that. I think that could happen. I know it can happen. Yeah. I'm developing an expectation for things like that to happen because I think that's part of responding to what he's moving inside of us as we develop expectations in that regard. Yeah. Part so, of the reset. Yeah. So also then... This whole concept of prayer is going to look different depending on how you were trained and raised. There is an Aramaic word for God, and it's I-T-H-E-A, Ithia. And in the, Amer- in the Aramaic culture, I mean, we tend to look at God as a deity, right? Here's what Ithia. The self-existent God is efficacious, creative, always present. This presence permeates and acts throughout the universe. It effectively keeps evolving our awareness of its power and maturing our individuality. Ithia flows in us and out of us, God, in other words, God flows in us and out of us. And, and God has, or Ithia has its own sustaining energy. Ithia is the force within and behind the universe that keeps everything on the move. And this universal power is the same living, sustaining presence that abides within us. Now, you could say Ithia is the quantum field, you could say Ithia is the Trinity. You can say Ithia is energy, and the reality is it's all of it. God is all of that. Do we have a constant, consistent awareness of that? Because the minute I say God is a deity, what, what is my default based upon my Western evangelical thought? And I'm not. He's sitting, up from- he's sitting out there, and I'm not. I, he's God, I'm not. But if I'm looking at it from a presence God is an ever-existing presence flowing in me, through me, around me, uh, all, you know, just everywhere. 
And, and if I realize that not just is that presence in me and around me, but in Stuart and around Stuart, I now have to rethink some things like maybe union and oneness. If I call God a deity and put him out here, I've, I've destroyed union and oneness, and you can take John chapter 14, 15, 16, and 17 right out of your Bible because it doesn't make any sense. But if I realize there's a presence that Jesus came to introduce me to, the, to this awesome presence that we call God, who's always with me, I like to, to describe God as my biggest cheerleader. That's one of my descriptions of God. He's my biggest cheerleader. And I realize that his energy is flowing. What does Scripture say again? We live and move and what? Have our being in, in him. So everything that we need to sustain life and godliness comes from him, and he's given it to us. Okay, so let me, let me do it this way. Carol, God has given you everything that pertains to life and godliness. How are you going to use it? I need some time to think about that. <laughs> you need some time to think about that. Well, let, let me do it with Muriel. Muriel, God has given you everything that pertains to life and godliness. What are we going to do with it? First sub, first sub question. Do you even know what everything is? <laughs> oh, yeah, you're on mute. Oh, yeah, I was unmuted. I said, I guess I would go and close down that hospital. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Clear it out. Everybody home. So, but the, here's a sub question. Do you even know what everything is? Everything. Everything pertaining to God or everything? If he's given you everything that pertains to life and godliness, does your mind have an understanding of what everything is? Uh, You must have, yeah, but you tell us your thought. (laughs) Well, my thought is we don't know everything. So we go to this place of prayer where we're just wanting to capture what that looks like and expect that he's going to show me a little bit more every day, right? Because if I'm left to try to figure out everything in my own head based on intellect, I'm going to mess it up. But God, you've given me everything that pertains to life and godliness. What do I need right now? Show me. Talk to me. And then just go quiet and listen. And something pops up. If nothing pops up, then I guess I didn't need anything at that moment. The trouble with that is as, as, a, as a people or an individual purpose, person, we put what we need into our own parameters. Yeah. And not into what he has. Yeah. And so, I'm just, you know, it's easy to talk about yourself. I, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't need this. And God says, but I want to give it to you, but I don't need this. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and you, you set those parameters up, and you miss out on everything that God has because of your own thinking. Well, you're talking about a limiting belief. We limit ourselves by what we believe. Well, I don't, I don't need that. Yeah. I believe I don't need it. But he's, he's like, here it is, but I don't need that. And he's thinking... Yeah, you you do. Yeah. We're just going, no, no. And so I think a lot of times we resist God's goodness. 
Yeah. We forget the verse, as he is, so am I. As he is, so am I. Wow. What's that What's that verse that talks about mind cannot think or imagine what is in the thoughts of God? I can't remember how the words go. Do you know what I mean? That one that yeah, we can't. Eye is not seen. Is that the one? You're oh, yes. About? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Just going to look it up. Let's see if I can find that. I'm going to go back to when you asked me that question. I said I need to think about it. Uh huh. Because um, what comes to my mind now is that um, I'm going to embrace what he has for me. I mean, I know exactly what it is, but if I embrace, I know it's good. So if I embrace his goodness for today, I embrace all of your goodness that you have for me, for everyone around me that I'm involved with. Um, or that I can influence, I'm embracing the goodness. And, and knowing that no matter what it looks like, there's goodness there. Yeah. Yeah. Which can be challenging. Yeah. To go there. That can be very, very challenging. Yeah. And impossible at times, but. And, and realizing that. God, I want to embrace. I want to. I want to trap everything you have for me. It may come through a song. It may come through his thought. It may come through an inspiration in my depth of my heart. It may come from the bishop throwing a hand grenade. I mean, there's lots of ways it can come, right? So I'm not sitting here suggesting that when we're we're talking about prayer, the only way to do it is to go totally silent. But I do think we have to be open for it to come and penetrate into that place of rest and peace that we have cultivated in our heart. And I think you can, you could schedule you could schedule on, on on a clock or on a alarm clock every hour just five minutes of peace. You could do that until you start getting to the point where it's all the time. There's what, there's things to to do that with. But so Mary, uh, Mary, I looked up the verse. It says, "I has not seen nor hear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love Him." Is that the one you're thinking of? Yeah, that's. Yeah. Where is that? That is that is First Corinthians two, verse nine. Okay, thank you. Yep. So we really are postured with everything that we have learned about our identity and everything we've learned about God's goodness, and everything we've been learning about even just the unlimited possibilities that are out there. You know, we we don't have to lock into a historical pattern of how we look at God. Frankly, I don't want to walk in that historical pattern. I want it blown up. And that's part of what the Aramaic culture, when they're posturing for prayer, they weren't they weren't posturing to put God in the box. They were asking God to blow up their box. So let me ask you something. If I were to ask you what God means to you, what would you say? That's what I would have said too. Life, I mean, vibrant life. I don't think we understand what God means to us. I think we we default to those words that sound good, like everything. You know, but we, I don't think we have the concept, like that verse just said in 1 Corinthians, we do not have the understanding. 
yeah. all he is to us. But they had a concept in the in the Semitic cultures. Let me let me read this to you. If one were to ask a spiritually devout Easterner, in other words, Middle Easterner, Semitic culture, what God means to him, he would not reply in theological terms or creeds. Ooh, ouch. His answer would be put in simple, direct language. Allah is my very breath, my every heartbeat, and my life. For the Semitic consciousness, the living God encompasses and watches over him as a skilled shepherd unceasingly watches over his flock. Now put that in the context of he left the 99 to go for the one. He is life. So so in one sense, Greg, I agree with what you're saying, but in another sense, if I can go, he is life. He sustains me every moment. Every breath I take comes from him. He's my essence. He's my essence. But see, that's in that culture. In all our culture, we don't do that. Right. We don't do that. But in the context of our Father who art in heaven, that's the context, the mindset that was there. So it's like I'm looking at suggesting a mind shift to us out of our culture back into, remember the song, He is the air I breathe? Were you just thinking That's that? That's what I was going to say. I said, let's see what Terry says. He is, he is the air I breathe. You are the air I breathe. His holy presence. I love that song. Living in me. Yeah. Well, I, and I think, I think, Greg, be careful about your statement is like a very broad brush because I think some of us are, are tuning into that who God is. We don't know all of what he is, who he is to us, but I think some of us are breaking into that, breaking through the, the our Western culture mindset. I think some of us are doing that, and I, I think that that's, yeah, I think it is possible to know it. So, yeah, there are some out there that don't, and I think back in the day when we were um, steeped in the, the evangelical Western church mindset, we didn't. Yeah, and, and some of the Psalms they'll kind of line up with what, also what Greg is saying because because even in the in the Semitic culture there were times they they would ponder God and it's just he's just so big. Yeah. I mean, here look at Psalm forty two. I'm going to read verse one and two and then skip to seven. As the heart pants after the water brook, so pants my being after you, O Yahweh. Thirsting for you is my very being, O living God. When shall I come to see your face? Deep cries out to deep at the sound of the waterfalls. I mean, there's, there's a longing. There's a longing that comes knowing he sustains us. He, we're, he knows us intimately. He knows our every thought. And yet I don't know him that same way. But I want to. And so there's that longing. And I'm not going to fulfill that longing if I'm stuck in those neg- lower-level emotions, because all I'm going to get is frustration and anger, because I can't move up until something breaks in that log jam below the line. Now, here's the beauty: the music's always playing, the voice is always whispering, the channel never turns off. Come up here, come up here. 
And so he's always, even if we're in, in the throes of those negative emotions, saying, come up here, let me show you. And not come up here because he's outward, but come up here to a higher place of emotion and of energy so we can create together. We can answer questions together. We can reason together. Come let us reason together kind of thought. Here's another one out of the Psalms. This is Psalm 139, verses 1 through 10. O Yahweh, you have thoroughly examined me and known me. You know how I conduct my life. Now, if I stopped right there, in the old days, I would have went, yuck. I don't want him to know me like that, right? Mm -hmm. You have discerned my thoughts from on high. You know my way and my paths. You have closely followed all my ways. If there is any change in my speech, O Yahweh, you know it completely. From the first to the very last, you have formed me and placed your hand upon me. For me, such knowledge is too wonderful. It is powerful. I cannot master such power. Where shall I go from your spirit, or, or to where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend into the heavens, you are there. If I descend into Sheol, behold, you are there also. If I lift up my wings like those of an eagle and dwell in the far parts of the sea, even there shall your hand lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. So again, this is, a, this is an expression of, he's so big, but yet he's also so intimate. How do I know that? If I lift up my wings like those of an eagle and dwell in the far out parts of the sea, even there shall your hand lead me and your right hand shall hold me. I mean, that's a level of intimacy, of contact, is it not? Now, that's, that's the, the, the Semitic Eastern uh, Aramaic mindset of the day was when... when the disciples were saying, teach us to pray. They weren't asking for a canon of confession. <laughs> they weren't asking for a creed. They were going, you have, you have touched something inside of me that makes me question what I understand about prayer. How do I really do it? Can you see that? And they weren't expecting a rote pattern. They were expecting, how do I connect to this presence? How do I connect to God in a way that something is drawing my heart? Because they intuitively... Spirit. I'm sorry, go ahead, Muriel. With his spirit, his spirit connecting with our spirit. Yes. It's the only way. Yes. They began to sense intuitively something that was already in them was starting to come up is that they were one with God because John 14, 15, 16, and 17 is before the cross and Jesus said to them, you and I are one. I am one with the Father. That's before the cross. So what did the cross do then? If that's already a, a reality... Before the cross, what did the cross do? Awaken them to the truth. Then what did Pentecost do? He awakened them even more. The cross and Pentecost were awakening moments. With the new covenant, as Jesus died for our sins, how many of the sins did he die for? Well, how many sins are there? One. <clears throat> False identity. 
Everything else are the symptoms of the one. When you were talking about the disciples and Jesus and the disciples said, teach us to pray. I think the disciples saw that Jesus had a way to tap into the Father, to, to trap into the Father. Yeah. And they wanted that relationship that they saw between Jesus and the Father. They wanted that between them and the Father. Yeah. And that was the reason. It wasn't just, you know, something that you can print out and put in the back of your hymnal. Yep. To give me just give me today what I need. Thanks a lot. Goodbye. It was it was that intimacy, the knowing and the longing that they saw that he had with his father. Yes, yes. Something drew them to that, didn't it? I mean, they saw it day after day after day, and something inside of them began to be drawn to that. Why did he, you know, they would probably say, what's he doing up there on the hill by himself? You know, who's he think he is? Yeah. So that brings to my mind, if, if Jesus had exercised prayer or practiced prayer in the sense that we've learned it in, in the past, that it was with, um, you know, main repetitions and words and verbally, they wouldn't have needed to ask him to teach them because he, they would have observed it. So there you go. Praying internally, perhaps. And so, obviously, he wasn't outwardly demonstrating prayer in a sense that people could pick up on, oh, that's how we do it. Yeah. It wasn't intended to be a formula. It was intended to enhance relationship. When you talk about our Father, and we'll cover more next week, but when you say our Father, that's a statement of relationship, isn't it? And Father in the Aramaic scriptures, or in the Aramaic culture, with the word that was used here, does not mean gender specific. It means O loving, divine creator of all things. We are in tune and union and oneness with you. And I'm not trying, none of this is intended to, how do I want to say this, diminish God as an entity or as a being, as a, as a, as a person, okay? But he's much bigger than our concept of what he is. Does that make sense? Give me some feedback. What are you guys thinking right now? I can hear a pin drop. It's so quiet. Is this best meeting ever so far? I wrote it all down. It's really, really, really good. Okay. I love, I love the, the, how many sins are in one? <laughs> <laughs> and then it goes back to our father. We're his child. We're in his image. If we're in his image, wow. Oh, my goodness. Sakes alive. Yeah. Definitely brings that into it. Today, what we're learning is bringing that into a deeper reality, for yeah. sure. And, and my goal is to take the struggle from our side of the equation out of this, because it's not about us doing it right. It's about us experiencing the relationship. A few years ago, I sat down, and it was, I heard somebody talk in a sermon, and they were talking about Quit telling God what you want and start listening to him. And I got to the point where I said, you know, God, I'm tired of you being Santa Claus. (laughs) 
And <clears throat> so I quit telling them all my needs and what I wanted them to do. And I just sat down and started saying, I'm here to listen to you. And in the process of doing that, um, carnal things, and I don't mean carnal as in sinful, but I mean carnal as in things that I would think about in a, a checkbook or, or whatever, started coming to mind as I did that. And then I realized as I was in those days rebuking those thoughts, I got to the point of saying, okay, this is, these thoughts are from God. And, and the reason I'm having these is because he wants to deal with me in one way or another on these thoughts. And over time, by allowing to just sit in his presence, it's allowed me to really, really grow to the point of even getting the grace message. Yeah. So I'm going to leave you with a couple of thoughts, and then we're going to pick up from here next week. But you guys will have a moment here in a minute. You can say anything else you want. This is a foreword to a book called Prayers of the Cosmos. You, I think you have a copy of that. If anybody wants a copy, you can talk to me about it. But it says that, oh, and it's written by Neil Douglas Klotz, K-L-O-T-Z. And there's a foreword by a guy named Matthew Fox, and this is what he says in the foreword. He talks about every translation of Scripture is affected by the worldview of the translator. Okay? So in other words, when someone went to transfer from Aramaic, translate into Greek, they came with a Greek mindset. So the translation is going to reflect the cultural modality of the Greek. And just like the King James, when they, trans they, they translated out of the Latin into the English, we know they made compromises because of the King James was, was not someone to trifle with. Okay? So it says, Scripture, as the monks of old who chanted it daily have attested, must be experienced with the heart and not just studied with the head. When scriptural passages become overly familiar, matters of rote, memorized prayers, instead of living words, religion is paralyzed and loses its capacity for transformation. Scripture then becomes the property of the specialists. You've got to listen to the pastor because he's the one that went to seminary. I wish somebody would raise them up from the cemetery. <laughs> so <laughs> so I, I throw that out because if we can't experience revelation at the heart, if we can't read Scripture and have it move us at the heart, we got, we, we've been trained in the Western mindset, and, and God wants to break that. You have the right to experience God, because he created you to experience him. You don't have to sit here and listen to me tell you about God. You experience God for yourself. And that's where we're going to go for the next few weeks, okay? For the last minute thoughts before we stop, I don't want to go too far because we have so many people absent. I'm going to have to recoup some of the, or recover some of this next week, but what are you thinking? Anybody? Starting with Muriel. Um, the verse that my the verse that you gave me, First Corinthians two nine. Yes. Um, I, I read a little bit further down there, and there's a there's a but in there. So I I would advise uh, people to read First Corinthians two nine right through to fifteen. Okay. That's that's our our huge connection with prayer. 
And also, uh, Stuart, what you're talking about, your 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 uh, Santa Claus list there, <laughs> that what struck my mind at that moment was, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added unto yeah. you. So he knows all that you need and all we, all he wants is for us to just sit with him and, and be with him and, and share his heart. And he knows all that we need at that point. We don't even have to say anything. I'm sure yeah, it's good. That's it. It's good. My thoughts. All right, Marilyn, anything you want to add? No. Okay. Seeing you whole and healthy woman. Whew. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Spiritual <laughs> energy flowing into you. Mr. Stewart, anything you want to add? You know, I'm just seeing, and I've been pondering this for the past couple of weeks, that, you know, if I was to, to, to give you a prophetic word, and this is not necessarily a thus saith the Lord, but if I was to sit here and say, I see you having an, an, an increased relationship, an increased revelation of who God is in your life, the creative Christ in me is letting that go. And mm -hmm. I'm planting a seed that will grow. Mm -hmm. And I'm seeing that a prophetic word isn't just always a, a thus saith the Lord. It's it's a speaking his mind into other people. I will, I will acknowledge that and with one caveat. It should never be thus saith the Lord. That's my point too, that it, it really doesn't have to be that yeah. at all. Because the minute you say thus saith the Lord, you've locked a person in. They either have to accept that or or, or Right, but argue. I was only saying that for the example of no, I get that. That it's not yeah. It isn't always that way. You yeah. know, it's not I don't I'm seeing that if I was to to say to you like this is gonna be a great year for you and, and you are gonna have greater revelation. I don't necessarily have that revelation that that came from God to speak that. But because Christ is in me, I am now speaking that yeah. and imparting to you. Yeah. And I'm seeing this as a greater revelation and what we're talking about today really reinforce that. Yeah, no, that's good. And that's actually moving you up, up the level of higher levels um, of truth. Sir, you're good? Oh, I'm not allowed to do that anymore, am I? <laughs> You, you're not allowed to be good? Oh, no, you oh, can't do the thumbs, do the thumbs up. up. Well, you know, I, I don't stand on ceremony, so if you want to give two thumbs up for today, I'm good with that. Carol, last minutes from you. You're good? All right, so we're going to pick up from here next week. It might, it might take me another week yet to set the stage, but I do plan to get through a different perspective of the prayer. So, all right, Father, we thank you for today. It's been an awesome day. We thank you that the sun just popped out here in our region. <laughs> And, and Lord, you're stirring hearts today. And so we thank you for the stirring. We bless those who aren't with us today. Uh, we speak life and radiant health to everyone, both here and that are not here. And I'm just excited that this is a great day.